Welcome to the Gospel of Cocktail podcast. Now here's your host, Kayla Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. This is the Gospel of Cocktail podcast. It is so good to have you guys. Uh, I am Kayla Ellis. I am the beverage director for Indigo Road, uh, specifically here in Nashville. You can find me at Oak Steakhouse and Oku. I am so grateful. Nashville Restaurant Radio is putting me onto this. Uh, I had a great time with Brandon Still, who's here with me now. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am so excited about having you on to do this limited series. Six episodes. Six episodes. Everybody's doing pop-ups. Why can't we? (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, you've heard of the pop-up bar. This is the pop-up podcast. The pop-up podcast. So what are you going to be doing on this podcast? I'm thrilled. We're going to be talking to bartenders, getting to know what's going on behind the scenes, getting a real feel for the industry. Uh, We'll give you tips and tricks. You'll be able to hear a lot about spirits, cocktails. That's my specialty. But we'll talk about wine. We'll talk to uh, a variety of different bartenders about what they're seeing in the scene, what's going on right now. I love it. I'm so excited to hear your perspective when you were on our show. And if you want to hear more about Kayla, you can go back and listen to Kayla's interview on Nashville Restaurant Radio. But we just had so much fun. And I could tell your passion for the industry, your passion for bartenders, your passion for guests, and just the idea of making a really good cocktail. And I thought, man, I would love to hear you interact with other people in the industry doing that. And you were like, yeah. yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> I'm thrilled. Here we are. This is the first episode. Who are we talking to today? So today we are talking to one of my favorite people in the world, Robert Chambers. He is the sommelier of Oak Steakhouse, and he has a really wonderful, beautiful perspective on wine. So I'm excited to have him. He's, he's really insightful. I am really excited to hear this interview, but I do want to say we've got the greatest sponsor, right? So we just interviewed Jeff Hopmayer, who is the CEO of the Brindiamo Group. Amazing. He's a bourbon broker. Yeah. He's the guy behind like so many bourbons out there. And he, they are going to sponsor your pop-up. And what they've done is they're going to give all of your guests some special bourbon for coming in. So sweet. And one of the things that's really cool is that they are hosting a video series on YouTube. It's of the Brindiamo, B-R-I-N-D-I-A-M-O group. And it's the business of bourbon. And it's 30 plus videos. They've only released four of them so far. Incredible. So if you go right now to YouTube and look up the Brindiamo group, the business of bourbon, Jeff Hopmeyer hosts these. They're like five to 15 minutes long. And it will go in depth into all the behind the scenes yeah. bourbon information. So if you love bourbon, this is something you this definitely got to check out. So go to LinkedIn and follow Jeff Hotmayer or go to LinkedIn and follow Brindiamo Group where they're posting every single time that they uh, post a new video or just go follow them on YouTube and you get the notification immediately. That's amazing. Yeah, what they're doing for bourbon and putting that message out there, it's going to be super helpful if you're in the industry and even um, if you're not. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is your show. Why don't you take it away? All right, get out of here. All right. All right, guys. He's out of here. He's gone. We've got the keys to the kingdom. Let's get into this. Welcome, Robert Chambers. All right, you guys. Robert Chambers is one of my favorite people in the whole world. 
So I worked with Robert Chambers for about three years. And uh, he's our head, he's the sommelier at Oak Steakhouse. And so I'm going to have you tell us your story in just a second. But first, I'm going to get into our little cocktail. So if you guys want to join in and have a cocktail with us, uh, right now we're drinking a little combination of Dolan's Vermouth. Um, It's a Blanc Vermouth that we're using. And we're mixing it with Grinnell Rosé. So uh, since Robert is the consummate expert in wine. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about this wine that we're drinking mixed with our vermouth. Sure. So uh, Louis de Grenelle um, is a a winery in the Loire Valley in Western Loire um, in France. The grapes from that region are going to be uh, Chenin Blanc for white Mm -hmm. and Cap Franc for red. So this is a a sparkling rosé of Cap Franc. Uh, And they're making it in Method Champenois or Method Traditionnel, um, which means that they're uh, fermenting in stainless and then um, they're doing a second fermentation in the bottle to create the bubbles. I love that. I, I love the concept of that because um, I'm not a wine expert by any means. I, I can sell you wine. I know about wine. But um, my expertise is in spirits. I do have my sake certification. Yeah. And in sake, they do... Uh, that second round of uh, fermentation as well. I think it creates a really unique flavor and a very different type of bubble uh, uh, compared to like CO2. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And for those that don't know, um, CO2 production would be more in like Prosecco. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, And Cava as well? Um, no, Cava traditionally is made in in Method Champenoise. More in like the Champagne style. Okay. Uh, well, that's so cool because, I mean, the effervescence and that slight funk on the bubblage is is, For sure. is so cool. Yeah, so, you know, they're they're adding that extra dosage of, um, of sugar and yeast uh, to create the fermentation process in the bottle. Um, and you get a lot of that that um, kind of brioche yeah, flavor yeah, yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That little bit of a finish to it. Well, mm. do you mind to reach across this table and clink glasses <laughs> with me? To me, the clinking of glasses is like the magic of our industry. Like there's something about that. And and I talked about it with Brandon still um, on my episode with him and he calls it the, the next, it's like the sixth sense. Like you, not even the sixth sense, the fifth sense, because we see cocktails, mm-hmm. we taste them, you smell them. This is a chance for you to hear that experience. <laughs> so wow. I really like how- I never you, thought about it. Right? I mean, just opening a bottle too, the and the bubbles fizzing in a champagne, sure. uh, like that's, it's all part of that experience. It's cueing your mind for an experience. Because I love you so much, I know a lot of your story, so I'm <laughs> excited for you to get to share this story with everybody. I would love for you, number one, if you don't mind, indulge us with how you came into this industry. Okay. And then uh, I want after that, that insight from how you got into this industry, I want you to share uh, jump right into your take on wine because you guys, I I love your take on wine. I, I think that I, for me, wine was always kind of snooty and pretentious. It was something that I I jumped to spirits because of that, and that was something I had a hard time with with wine. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. It's a shame. It's sad. It so really I, I really want so go jump into your story, and uh, yeah, I want to I want to hear all about it. Yeah, I I think um, my story is. Probably all too common, um, a little funny. Um, so I guess I was about 15 or 16, um, and my sister was working at a deli at the time. Sisters are, are good for this. Yeah, I got for my sure. sister into the industry, yeah, too. Yeah, they pull you in. <laughs> um, and so I would go and hang out 
up there because um, it was an older group of folks and uh, I was trying to get in trouble and, <laughs> and they were all about it. Um, and the guy that was working that day um, had taken some illicit substances mm -hmm. and uh, he had a bit of an accident. Okay. And he was like, hey man, I really have to go home. Mm -hmm. um, is there any way that you can take over for like 45 minutes to an hour? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, I've never done this before. Like, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, are you kidding me? I'm a kid. I'm scared out of my yeah, mind. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, I'm leaving right now. There are cards in the back that tell you how to do everything. Uh, I'll see you in an hour. Um, and so just just kind of left me. And, and being a kid, I was too scared to just like walk out. No. I was like, somebody, yeah. somebody has to do this. <laughs> um, and so I got back there and um, later on they offered me a job and I ended up working for that company for the better part of 10 years. Mm. Um, fast forward um, to 2014, I'd gone through kind of a rough time. I owned a coffee shop and that closed down. And my girlfriend at the time, uh, we decided to part ways. And um, so I had a day off from the restaurant and I was on my second bottle of wine. It was like Tuesday <laughs> at two o'clock. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I wonder if I can get paid for this. I wonder if I can get paid to drink um, and to, to know a little bit, to, to be knowledgeable about um, whatever it was that I was drinking. Yeah. Um, so I Googled it and I found a school in New York and immediately applied. Incredible. And a month and a half later, um, I had sold everything I owned and I, I landed in New York city and started, uh, my journey into the, the beverage side, the wine side of the industry. I love that because it tells me the story of hunger, the story of like, okay, I can get this far. What if I do this? How do I get to that next step? For sure. Um, and I think that there's, um, we don't see a ton of that these days, uh, at least not with like, the, uh, you know, the, the teams that I work with show that hunger, but there's a lot of people who maybe don't feel like they, they can make that next step or even assume that that step is available yeah. to them. Well, I think uh, a lot of it is not knowing uh, mm -hmm. that, that it's there, that it's possible, um, you know, especially when you talk about, about wine or, or spirits, um, beyond slinging drinks, not that that is a bad thing at all, but, um, when you talk about mixology or, or um, being an ambassador for a, a spirits company, most people don't know that those positions actually exist. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know what's available to us. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I think too, the extra, valuable thing, the context for jumping into something that seems higher than us, that seems like for a lot of people unattainable. You came from a background that uh, is most of our backgrounds. It's it's not highfalutin. It's not, uh, not other than. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I got my start in a deli. Um, <laughs> and then from there, um, I ended up um, taking over as a managing partner for five little Caesars yeah. at one point. Okay. Uh, I didn't know this, Robert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, owned a coffee shop and, you know, there was a transitionary period in my life. And, um, I thought if I were going to move, if I were going to get out, um, that was the time. And, and it just changed into, to something else. I didn't know what a sommelier was. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that you could get paid to do this. Yeah. It, 
legitimately came out of like a, a drunk, I, <laughs> I wonder if this can happen. Yeah. Um, and a Google search. Um, Thank which, God for that Google search. <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's, it's changed my life. Um, That's incredible. For sure. I, I think um, the take you have on wine and your rootedness uh, to everyday life, uh, you know, you, you're the common man. We're all the common man here. Um, I, I want to hear why wine is not highfalutin. <laughs> I got you. Tell me. So while I was in school, um, and I, I studied under 12 master psalms at a fairly prestigious school at the time. And, um, but I came across this guy named Richard Betts, who was a master psalm. Um, he also uh, makes spirits. He makes tequila. Uh, Comos um, is Incredible his brand. It's, it's really wonderful stuff. Um, but I came across him because he made a scratch and sniff wine book. Um, and it's not you know, completely accurate, you know, you'll, you'll smell cherries or baking spice. And it's not like, um, it's not exactly how you would smell it when you, you have a glass of wine in front of you, but yeah. it's close. Um, and he was kind of criticized for, for making that book. Mm. Um, people were, you know, kind of wondering like, you know, you're dumbing this down and, um, you know, this isn't exact. So what's the point? Yeah. Who is this for? For sure. Um, and, his response was that he wanted it to be more accessible to people, that it wasn't perfect, but it was a way um, to make it more approachable for the layman. Mm. Um, and in that, in his response, uh, he said one of my favorite phrases, and it's, wine isn't a luxury, it's a grocery. I'm going to need you to repeat that, sir. <laughs> Wine is not a luxury. It's a grocery. <laughs> That's beautiful. For sure. And, you know, in America, we don't really understand. But if you go to Europe, you'll walk into a restaurant and ask for wine, and they'll put down a $13 carafe of wine, and it's some of the best wine you've ever had in your life. You know, whether that's the, um, the atmosphere, the, the traveling and being in, in a new place, um, or it's just the quality of the wine, um, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing. It's, it's not something that, um, is, uh, super pretentious. It's, yeah. it's an everyday good yeah. uh, for people there. Well, like, so Robert just recently taught a, um, a bark, uh, a wine class for our group at Oku and Oak Steakhouse. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was amazing. Um, we learned so, so much. <laughs> And, uh, it was supposed to be two hours. We went for four. <laughs> we went for four <laughs> hours. Well, we happened to have the time cause we were closed that night too. So we didn't, we don't always get that luxury, but sure. oh my gosh. And, um, you said something, you know, tying in what you just said, the idea that this is something that you can have every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you were talking about how in Italy there are places you can go or France, there mm -hmm. are places you go and communities that you can drink in where they will place a bottle or glass in front of you and it'll be the best thing you've ever tasted, but it's not on a shelf. It's not yeah, for market. It's, it's not for market. Um, you have winemakers who are making their, their wine and in, in these little communes and um, they're selling it directly to the restaurant or whatever. You're, you're never going to find it on a shelf. Yeah. Um, you know, they're doing it for, you know, the love of doing it and for their livelihood uh, on a smaller scale, you know, um, 
they're not as wrapped up in, in like fame and prestige. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, this is our, our way of life. This is the way that we've been doing it. My father did it. His father did it. Um, and yeah, they, they make wine because that's what they do. That's what you do. I, I think, uh, if we have more communities that could dig into that concept or we create community in any place we go. Um, so bartender community is something I, I think, uh, one of the things that Robert and I have talked about a lot before is, um, this idea that we have to have each other's back. Um, bartenders are some of the coolest people in the world to me. Uh, it's like this combination of front of house and back of house all in one. Um, and if you guys are not in the industry, you, you may not realize there is a major discrepancy between front of house and back of house. Um, it's, yeah, the equity that whether like it's, whether it's the hours that you work or the pay that you get per hour, it, the equity is just not there. Um, it's something that is, um, super unfortunate and I'd love to see that change. Absolutely. Um, but when you see bartenders having each other's back, there's a special kind of like magic. There's like a dance that goes on. Um, and and Robert's one of the best bartenders. You're one of the best bartenders I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I've, I've definitely been slammed in a shift before and had Robert hop behind the bar with me. Uh, whenever you've done that, you've made a huge difference in um, – the flow of the shift, our ability to keep up, our ability to, you know, make sure that we're effectively executing the plan. I've, I've been really fortunate um, in my career that I've been able to work um, pretty much every position that you can work mm-hmm. in a restaurant. I, I've, I've been a dishwasher. I've been a prep cook. I've been a line cook, uh, a bartender, a server, and, and now, you know, a psalm and, and wine buyer. Yeah. Um, um, and so, it, it allows me to uh, to kind of jump in in those situations um, when it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, which I absolutely love. I mean, tell me what you think of the bartenders you've worked with in the past. I know I know some of them. For sure. Um, how have they made a difference in your life? I've, I've worked with a lot of really good folks. Um, I think two, um, Really, I, I have to give a nod to um, one is Jamie Hughes um, for my first Indigo Road restaurant back in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working for a distribution center at the time, selling wine to restaurants. Um, and she was like, hey, I'm short on bartenders. Um, I really need some help. You can sell the product. Um I need somebody that can, that can do that. Yeah. I need somebody that can help. Yeah. And I was like, I had, don't know the first thing about bartending. And she was like, you can sell, I can teach you the rest. Exactly. So she brought me on um, and I studied with her for a while. And, and then when I moved to Nashville, um, I got to work with the wonderful Sarah Turbot. I love uh, her. Who was my bar mentor. And and uh, she's been on the show before with Brandon. Absolutely amazing. And if you don't know Sarah Turbot, um, she is one of the best in the country. Um, 100%. She's, um, you know, Patron perfectionist and um, she does all the Brown Ford stuff and she is absolutely lovely. She knows her stuff. There's no one um, or I say not many people that I know that know as much about whiskey um, yeah. or spirits in general as her. Yeah. Um, she is, you know, the consummate professional. She knows her stuff and, and I'm really glad that I got to learn from her. One of the things too that I... Yeah, I mean, she's just incredible. But one of those things that I love about working with you and something that we've talked about before 
is making space. You know, if equity is not happening, equity is not there in the kitchen passing, like it's just not there. Sure. Uh, I'm not saying servers or bartenders should make any less money, Yeah. but uh, the equity is just not there. Um, and making space, uh, I think now that you're in the role that you're in, and now that I'm in the role I'm in, I have a little more power. I have a little more clout. I have a little more ability to speak up and create safety for my teammates. Um, you've shared a story with a story with me before about Sarah. Um, please jump in. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think. No, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, in our positions now, uh, we definitely have more of an obligation um, to be good and to uphold the people around us. Yeah. Um, so I was working behind the bar with Sarah Turbot and um, I had a gentleman come in and, and he was asking about whiskey. Yeah. We, we have a fairly, uh, we have a good list. Yeah. We, we have a really good list. Um, a fairly um, expansive list of whiskeys. Yeah. And he was like, Hey, you know, like tell me about this and tell me about this. And I was like, look, I can, I can tell you about this bottle. But if you want to know whiskey, mm -hmm. you need to speak to her. And you've said this before that every time, well, at least frequently, yeah. a guy will come in and go right past Sarah and go to you. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's it's that thing where, where men think that men know more about, yeah. about uh, especially something like whiskey, um, mm -hmm. as something that's seen to be more masculine, if you will. Yeah. Which is, you know, Lord help us. but, um, you know, Sarah Turbot, she knows whiskey, she knows her stuff. Um, mm -hmm. you know, she has worked, uh, for angels envy. Mm -hmm. Um, she mm -hmm. is amazing. So I politely <laughs> told him, Hey, I'm not the person that you want to speak to. It is her. And we went back and forth a couple of times and I was just like, look, I'm going to defer you to her yeah, and I'm going to step away now because I'm not the person. <laughs> I'm not the them. one. Yeah, if, <laughs> I if am not the have, bartender you're looking yeah, for. <laughs> if you have an expert on the subject mm -hmm. standing next to you, why would you not defer to that person? Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think um, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to share this program, these six episodes with everybody is I want to talk about uh, where we make space. How can we do this better? Um, if you're a bartender, you know, you may not feel seen, but hopefully you'll feel seen in these moments where you see that there's other folks also dealing with the same garbage. And I know that there's moments where I wish someone had come behind me and I've had so many guys come to the bar and order a whiskey from me and either tell me about the whiskey that I'm 100% a rep for and know the distiller. <laughs> like they will educate me on the thing yeah, that I'm like an expert in. For sure. And you have to like be very precious with their egos. You have to be very like, I want them to stay excited mm -hmm. about the product. So I'm not going to squash their ego and, and be like, owned. Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very fine line um, because we are in hospitality um, and our job is to, to create an experience for yeah. the guest mm -hmm. um, and to be empathetic to them, um, maybe even in ways that we don't necessarily want to. Oh, very um, true. But, you know, at the end of the day, that is that is our goal in hospitality. Um, and so we have to um, do what we can to provide them with the best experience. Yeah. While also honoring ourselves and the people around us. Yeah. Um, and so I think, um, you know, pushing that 
that off, deferring to someone who has that knowledge. I can't create that experience if I don't have the knowledge. Yeah. Um, and so whether they know it or not, whether they appreciate it or not, yeah. um, you know, we have to, to do what we can um, to give the possibility of the best um, experience. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's not their job. No. It's not their job to know what we have available. For sure. Um, I harp on that a lot with the bartenders. Yeah. I mean, that's just a message. And with servers as well. Uh, it's, you know, we talk a lot about guests in a sense of uh, how they often will make you feel less than. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the legacy of serving is is born from slavery. Like, <laughs> let's just be legit about this. For sure. The idea of tipping. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's not a bad job. It's born from a bad place. Yes. Um, It's something that um, I think um, we have to talk about a little bit, right? So when we talk about serving, Mm -hmm. that word server and where it comes from, it comes from the Latin for serus humilimus. My Latin is terrible, but it- it You killed it. It means- um, (laughs) your most humble servant. Mm. And originally, you know, that ties into being a guardian or a shepherd. Mm. Um, and it was kind of a flowery way of saying like, I'm at your service. Yeah. It wasn't until uh, between 700 and 400 BC in Italy um, that Cyrus became um, kind of a pejorative term. A negative term, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, but- you know, even today in Central Europe, uh, Germany, Austria, uh, Hungary, that area, friends will still say serus to each other um, as a greeting or as a parting word. In love. Yeah. In love for their friends. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they say serus to, to be like, you know, I, I, I love you and, and I'm, I'm humbly at your service. Yeah. Um, it's but, precious. But even though it comes from that. <laughs> and but. <laughs> and but. Um, it is definitely um, a thin line uh, mm-hmm. that, that we walk. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've been talking about this a little bit um, as far as, you know, building people up and, and um, you know, everyone in the industry, but also women and, and people of color. Yeah. And, um, making sure that, that they uh, feel dignified and, and respected and empowered and the their position. Um, Those are the three words that you shared with me the other day, dignified, respected, and empowered. Yes. That's powerful. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, when you're in a a service position, Mm -hmm. the reason why this is so important is, um, especially if you're, if you're talking about those marginalized groups, Mm -hmm. you're asking someone who is already marginalized Mm -hmm. um, to be at their most vulnerable. Um, That, being from the institution and from the guest, um, you're asking someone to be empathetic, um, to to be humble, yeah. um, in the face of, of anything that, that possible comes up. discrimination, possible, sure. yeah. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes the guest is wonderful, uplifting, like makes yeah. me know why I do the job I do. Absolutely. Um, but there's a lot of times in the mix that you're asking someone to step out of their comfort zone. I, I, you know, one thing that we've talked about before and I would love to talk about is that, good Lord, we, how do we make ourselves more approachable 
mm-hmm. to the the person of color that doesn't feel invited into this environment. How do we make, you know, there's a lot of female bartenders. Mm-hmm. There is a small handful of craft female bartenders Absolutely. because mixology uh, and the craft as a whole has not been super inviting to women um, and especially to women of color or to people of color. So, I mean, I'm always working on this. I just, I, and you said the three words, the, you know, dignity, respect, and empowerment. How do we do that? How do we do it on a daily basis? How do we make ourselves more approachable? Because, I mean, I'm not even getting the resumes yeah. from people of color. I'm not even getting sure. people coming in to apply because we've not made ourselves approachable. Well, I think it's, it's a multifaceted issue. Uh, first of all, we have to make it known, uh, make it known that these positions are available. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people don't know that they exist, how can they apply for them? Yeah. Beyond that, once you know that happens, we also have to, to educate, to give people the knowledge that they need uh, to be confident in their ability to perform the job well. Yes. I, I think that's one of the most Im- important things that, that we can do. Education is, is always... Um, is always the way. I love this thread of thought. <laughs> Am I cutting you off? Is, no, no, no. So education to me is something that we highlight a lot at Oak Steakhouse and, and at Oku in Germantown and within Indigo Road as a whole. I see the restaurants that are most successful are the ones that um, dig into the education side. For sure. Um, and it's empowerment. That's the empowerment part. Mm-hmm. It's like, let me give you the tools to get this job done. Let me know your, let me let you know how valuable how valuable you are and how much worth you bring to the table by giving you every tool to talk to that one guest that's a jerk and wants to put you in your place and tell you about whiskey. My trick with a lot of guests who want to tell me what's up with whiskey, I, I find one factoid that I know that they don't know, not to belittle them, but to earn their trust. Yeah. And so I'll say something about the char on the barrel um, or the, the um, you know, the level of char. That's a, a lot of whiskey drinkers. Uh, they know about the whiskey aging process, but that's little that little factoid of uh, different levels of char and the different effects of that. That's not something that every just everybody digs into. Which is a really wonderful way to, to handle the situation because you're not being condescending. Um, you know, you're not patronizing them. You're finding that little thing that gains their trust mm-hmm. um, and and opens up the the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep the door open because it's not just uh, employees uh, and potential hires. It's also guests. Absolutely. How do we make ourselves more approachable to guests um, who are scared to get into the highfalutin fancy wines <laughs> and, and help them understand the, the value of their dollar? For sure. And, and you know, working um, in a casual fine dining restaurant um, in Nashville and, and um, burgeoning metropolis, um, when we started here five years ago, um, we kind of had to take some measures to to make the guests more comfortable. Um, whether it's how we word things, um, especially on the menus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but if I see something on a menu and I'm like, not only do I not know what that is, but I can't even say that word. Yeah, you're like, I'm probably not going to order that. Yeah, because I don't want to look stupid. Yeah, um, and so. You know, looking for those little ways to not dumb anything down, not placate, um, but um, 
those little things that we can address to make people feel more comfortable. Yeah. I think that's that's our duty. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we have to do. We talk about this quite a lot, right? Um, it is not the guest job to know all of this, yeah. right? Um, it is our job to be as knowledgeable as possible, to learn as much as we can mm-hmm. so that we can distill it into the simplest way possible um, and then run it back. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have to, my guest doesn't have to know about malactic fermentation. Mm-hmm. They don't have to know about chemorrhagian soil. They don't, um, but I can ask them, hey, do you like lemon or lime? Do you like blackberry or strawberry? Mm-hmm. And from that, with my knowledge of where those flavors come from and what how they're produced, how, how they're those produced, flavors are developed. what part of the world that's coming from, I can mm-hmm. step them back into a bottle that I can say with an educated guess that that they would be comfortable with. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I think you know that's that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and in, in, in the hospitality industry is um, trying to make it as approachable it should be the goal anyway to make it as comfortable and approachable for people as possible i think opening that door is one of the first steps in allowing a guest to know their home Mm -hmm. they're safe you you can mess this word up you can mess you can not know what this wine is but because i know you recognize this name brand or this label and whatever you like about that that you Uh, found out about through advertising, however you came across that flavor profile and you developed a sense of nostalgia to, you don't have to know about all of these other lists of wines and spirits and cocktails that are perfect for you. I get to know all of that stuff. And because I know that you like this little hint of the note that exists within this brand, I can find you this little secret pocket of wines that is just right for you. And once you open that door for a guest, that guest will come to you for life. That guest is ready to sit at your bar. I've got guests that have been um, sitting at my bars for probably eight plus years um, because they developed a relationship with me. I let them feel seen in that moment. I let them feel known. Um, I don't think there's a better honor than that. I get a little bit emotional sometimes thinking about it because um, and I, I know I've told you this story, so I'm going to try to tell it again. I'll try not to get a little weepy because I... Is the I, Barrel story? Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to need another drink before we get into that. <laughs> okay, my friend. Right. Um, you want to crack that open? Yeah, that cocktail was delicious, but I think I'll take this Corona. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into some Corona. I'm going to drink... Um, actually, would you like some of this? It's not It's not cold. We're, um, That's a hazy we're IPA. A, it is. It's um, by New Heights. Oh, nice. Um, I'm actually going to drink it out of my coop because yeah. um, cause I fancy. I'll, I'll stick with the glass. <laughs> over. Um, and if you want to try some, let me know. Um, I do love uh, that we're cracking open a beer in the middle <laughs> of this uh, wine and cocktail podcast because let's just be real. Like, we're about it. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is the life. Um, <laughs> Look. I grew up uh, in a family of sharecroppers, um, you know, real rural South Carolina Hell stuff. Hell yeah. I, I always go back. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, I'm probably going to have a, a high life and a, a shot of Jameson, to That's, be honest. <laughs> to yes, be honest. facts. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to drink. I like good wine. I like good cocktails. For but sure. I mean, a 
if I want a good drink, I, I like I look, I read the room. Like I look at the situation. Is it a hot day outside? Am I at like, uh, you know, a speakeasy or am I at a bar with my friends? Like I'm going to crack open a high life. Like that's, that is my jam. Um, so, okay. Are you ready yeah. for this Cracker Barrel yeah, story? I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> I'll try not to get weepy. I, I really, I've, I've told this story to you before and I don't mean to, to get that emotional, but it just strikes a chord with me. Um, and I, every time I talk about this lady, I go right back into it as if I was there. Um, cause it changed my life. It changed the way I work in this industry. Um, I, there was this, this sweet old lady, um, very prim and proper, really cute style. I really liked her vibe. She's like the old lady that I aspire to be. Um, really clean, short white hair. Well put together. Well put together lady. Not She didn't look rich. She just looked stylish. No. And it was a vibe. Um, and so I'm. this is, I don't know, 10 plus years ago. I, well, actually, probably 15 years ago. Good Lord, I'm so old. Um, but... No, yeah, it was 18 years ago. Yeah, we've I'm been so in this industry old, for a while dude, now. Dude, <laughs> I'm so old. Um, so she's sitting in the corner of my table. I'm a little rising star at Cracker Barrel. Um, and for those of you who don't know, if you have a bartender, or I'm sorry, a server that has a rising star on their apron, they are just getting started. <laughs> they, they don't even have a single star. You can get up to four stars. <laughs> and if you get a maroon apron, which I absolutely did get my maroon apron with four stars, that means that you're a trainer as well. Uh, I was also a girl cook for Cracker Barrel. And so I was, I was, uh, I'm not preaching that Cracker Barrel is great, by the way. I, I, um, <laughs> I, they have an amazing training program. I will give them that. And a decent um, breakfast. And a decent Let's breakfast. Um, but they are kind of, uh, I'm just going to say slightly evil. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. But anyway, I had this moment with this lady. She's sitting um, at this table by herself in the corner of the restaurant. And I'm taking care of her. I'm just a little baby server. I'm not really good at my job yet. Just facts. Um, but I'm trying to be good at my job. And my head was in the kitchen and I'm trying to figure out like where I've got different orders are going to different people. So I'm not really present in the moment, but I'm, I'm telling that something's off with her. Like she's just, um, immediately my dude, I started feeling it get choked up again immediately. Cause I just imagine her. Um, but I, I can sell, tell something's off and, um, she's sitting there and, um, I'm like, maybe it's the food. Maybe I'm not giving good service. You know, I'm still learning how to do my job. The, the normal things that you go through and the things you're, you're, you're like checklist of like, yeah. okay, she's got her drink. I've, I've kept her drink refilled. I'm hitting the table at the appropriate times. For those of you that aren't in the industry, just know that we notice everything. We're everything. passing by the table. We're looking at every facial expression, everything because we want to know how to give you the best experience. <laughs> and if you're not, um, it might be us and, and we're, uh, we're how do checking I fix it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like immediately like, okay, I'm, I'm messing up. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to lose my job, whatever it is. Like I'm a little baby rising star. So I, <laughs> I, I, everything's on the line and, um, I'm just like, Are, can I get you anything, ma'am? Everything going great. Is the food delicious? You know, all of the proper verbiage, not how is it, you know, <laughs> does it taste good? Uh, I'm using the proper verbiage of like everything wonderful, like in, infusing and instilling the idea in the person's mind that yes, it is wonderful. I'm doing my best. And um, I literally get to the point with her that I'm like, I, I, I cross boundaries. I'm like, I say, are you doing okay? Cause I can tell something's bad. And so I, and so I cross over the line of like, 
um, not just everything wonderful to, um, are you all right? And she, I see, I'm I'm telling you, it gets me emotional no matter. I've told you this story before, but it does, it hits me every time. But she holds her hand out and um, she tells me that her husband has passed away and she came to be alone to eat. And um, so she just wanted to be by herself. She tried to get away from everybody. And I felt as soon as she choked up, my mind rushed to me from the kitchen. It was like all of a sudden I could feel the shift of like mm-hmm. my brain being in the kitchen and just like jutting into my body of like, nope, mm-hmm. be here right now. Be present. Be present. And um, she's a good old lady from the South, an older, older woman. And I felt comfortable enough to ask her if she felt like she needed prayer. <laughs> Not something I typically <laughs> jump to. Absolutely wild to me. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. It's um, I was totally raised in the South. And you, we've talked about this before, yeah, like yeah. conservative background. For I'm not sure. conservative now, but, uh, you know, it's in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just knew at this moment she needed comforting. And so I asked her if she wanted me to pray with her. And I and um, she said yes. Um, and I again, I don't know why these instincts were coming to me. And I don't think that was necessarily um, the right. Uh, 18 years of upbringing. I yeah. Think. <laughs> good Lord. Please, you guys do not go to guess and ask if they need prayer right off the bat. Like. <laughs> Read the room. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm grateful that I did read the room at least a little bit in this situation. But she said yes. She holds my hand, and I feel my stomach uh, kind of drop because at first I'm just like lightly holding her hand and just like, dear Lord, thank. I'm like, I'm literally. Uh, how old was I? I think I was like 20, some maybe younger. Um, I, I could have been 19 at this point. I don't really know. And um, I'm like. Uh, Lord help her. Uh, thank you so much for the time that you've that she's had with her husband. And she starts squeezing my hand tighter. And when she starts squeezing my hand, oh my gosh, my stomach drops, and I'm fully in the moment with her. And I start crying at this table in the middle of a Cracker Barrel. And I'm like, Lord, be with her. Thank you so much for her. Thank you for this time with her. And um, it's just. An emotional moment and at Cracker Barrel we give you a napkin not not more than that like you get <laughs> a napkin yeah. um, and so she's got this one paper napkin and she's like dabbing it around her eyes it's falling apart um, I'm not saying any of that was appropriate or the right <laughs> way to go about this but it gut checked me it gave me an understanding early early on in my career we just have a moment with people for sure we just have a moment and not only is that something that we pass on to our guests, but I've also been that person yeah. crying on the shoulder of my my teammate, my coworker. Um, and I've been the person, you know, hugging someone and comforting a teammate. Um, I was a teacher for like six years and I have a lot of a heart for uh, others and for kids and for people in need. I didn't realize in this industry, I would get to utilize so much of that empathy bone. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I mean, that's really the large part of what we do, right? Um, the knowledge of, of cocktails and wine and food and, and getting it on the table is <clears throat> only a small part yeah. of, of what we're doing here. Um, creating the guest experience, we talk about it, but, but that means that we're, we're providing a moment for yeah. them. We're, we're, we're giving them a chance and trying to meet them where they are. Yeah. If if someone is solemn or, or grieving, we're trying to meet them there. If someone is um, joyous, joyous, yeah, yeah, celebrating, 
yeah, we try to meet them there. Tell me now, because uh, I, your take on champagne. Speaking of celebrations, yeah, um, <laughs> we drink champagne to celebrate in the states. Yeah, and there's something wrong about that. Well, yes, we should be celebrating, but we should be celebrating all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a religious person, um, but I do believe. Uh, that every day is a gift. Yeah. Um, and Preach. Every day, and, every, <laughs> and every day is what you make it. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you should be drinking champagne because it's Tuesday at one o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, champagne is delicious. Um, and a little pairing fact, if you don't know what pairs with what, champagne always works. Champagne all day. One of my favorite things in the world is rosé champagne and fried chicken. Yes. <laughs> <And> actually, <laughs> I learned that from, um, from Pascaline Napier, who was, um, who was one of my professors, but absolutely uh, amazing. She knows everything there is to know about Chenin Blanc. Uh, <laughs> so the, the white grape from mm-hmm. some more that, that we, were, uh, we had the Cap Franc from. But, yeah. um, but she was like, you know what you need to do? You need to get a bottle of champagne, rosé champagne, and some fried chicken. It'll change your life. <laughs> um, and, yeah. So, for me, um, I, I really do believe, like, hey, it goes with everything. It's every day, every moment is, is something to be celebrated. Always drink champagne. Always drink champagne. Always. Every day. Yeah. I, um, I happen to know that, that you love your bubbles. And so that's why that was the choice <laughs> of our cocktail today. Is, Thank you so much. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I think that there's this idea that we are supposed to um, save champagne for birthdays, save it for anniversaries. Uh, anniversaries. And yeah, we every day, just like the same as um, every wine you've talked about, we see wine as um, especially expensive wines. We, we save it for occasions. Yeah. Um, and a good drink with a good meal is one of the most precious everyday things that we can do. And we just don't take the time yeah. in America. That's just not part of our... <laughs> for sure. And, and this is something that we talk about uh, quite often. You know, mm-hmm. if I were to ask you what your favorite drink was um, and to a attach a price tag to it. Yeah. I can guarantee you that it's probably pretty low. Yeah. I've, I've had bottles that are worth thousands of dollars. My favorite bottle of wine that I've had was a $40 bottle of wine that I bought from September wines in in New York. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a bottle of 2011 Marcel Lapierre Morgan. Um, and it changed the whole world for me. It, it changed how I viewed wine. It was really one of my aha moments in this industry. I, I think the beauty of an affordable wine mm-hmm. is um, something so simplistic, um, but not a cheap wine. Yeah. A, a really nice, approachable yeah. wine. With amazing craftsmanship. Exactly. Very well made. I am happy to um, help a guest understand the value of their dollar. And I, and there's a lot of people, you guys, if you're in the industry, there's a lot of people who want to flex their muscle, who want to come in and spend that extra dollar for a really beautiful experience and outcome. 
I am going to cultivate that experience if that's what you're looking for. I'm going to tell you the value of the wine you're getting. I'm going to, your cocktail, your spirit. If you're going to pay $200 for a two ounce pour of whiskey, you better believe I'm going to set you up with the best tasting experience that I can provide. I got you. I got you. (laughs) But if you're coming in and you just want a good drink, I'm not going to charge. I'm not going to bring out the $200 an ounce whiskey. I'm going to, I'm going to show you a really cool $10 bourbon or, or rye or something. Maybe I'm, maybe you were looking for a rye, but based off of my conversation with you, I realized that no one's ever opened the door to Reposado tequila for you. And that might be the best door to go through. If you have, if you're having that adventure with me, um, You've heard me say this before because I I say it to the uh, both bartenders and servers a lot. But if you're having a, a guest who's having an issue, who's having a hard time um, taking those next steps, I'll ask a guest, "Are you feeling adventurous?" Mm-hmm. It's such a helpful phrase. <laughs> it it really is. It's just like no one's not feeling adventurous. Yeah. I mean, and if they're not, I do have the occasional, usually, typically an older gentleman who's like, "Nah, <laughs> yeah. no, sweetie, <laughs> yeah, I'm good." Yeah, I I wield my power from time to time, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's usually on on the back end, and, and it'll be like um, I'll recommend a bottle, and and someone's not necessarily comfortable, and they go with what they know, which is usually like big cabernet. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me tell you, if you're having a piece of fish, uh, that's probably the last thing that you want. Yeah, um, the tannin structure from the cabernet. Uh, along with the fatty acid from the fish, is going to come off metallic. Mm. It's going to be like you're eating a gum wrapper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so what I'll do is I'll, you know, I'll I'll grab a a by-the-glass pour of something like a Pinot Blanc, or um, if I think that I have enough people uh, in the restaurant, then I'll grab a bottle and and I'll open, I'll pour for multiple people and and try to give everybody the experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Pour something like an Aberino or um, a nice white Burgundy uh, to give somebody that experience. Um, but I just I, I think it's it's funny um, how people kind of pigeonhole themselves, mm-hmm. um, and you know that's that's something that we have to do um, with this craft as well as is trying to break people out of their comfort zones and, and to yeah. get them to, to something that's going to, to better them. That, that they'll enjoy, that they'll Absolutely, love. Yeah. Cause again, it's not their job to know. They, no, they don't not. need to know. They don't need to know um, why this other spirit exists and its story. If you can be that, that person that opens the door for them, then you've, you've made somebody who, you've made something that say, seemed totally inaccessible, totally unavailable to them. Mm. And now they're like, Oh, this is for me too. Yeah. That's such a cool moment. That's, that's a gift. Not, not just for them being exposed to something they've never been exposed to, but it's a gift for us. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, to, to take it back to, to the religious <laughs> aspect of things. Um, this, the show is called the gospel of cocktails. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, you know, I, I grew up fairly religious, um, um, but we're, we're supposed to approach things with a servant's heart. Right. Mm. Um, and I think that is uh, central to hospitality. One of the things that I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I totally agree that 
when I come to a guest with this experience, I'm 100% fine with, if you want a Jack and Coke, I'm going to serve you a Jack and Coke. But on that, maybe that second or third drink, I've earned your trust. And now I can give you an experience where you can let go of the reins as a guest and trust me as this guider, this, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now walking you into this path that you wouldn't have chosen for yourself. For sure. And now you can have this totally different experience that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and that's precious. That's really, really a cool moment. Um, but there's also this reality when you say a servant's heart, mm-hmm. uh, there's a reality that gets twisted. Um, I do believe in that. But I believe also the servant's heart I have towards my teammates yeah. and protecting them. Um, and one thing I think we can do better is creating that space that we talked about at the beginning. I'm so glad that we got back to this. Yes. Because uh, we we kind of diverged for a little bit. Um, the empowerment part. Exactly. Of the, of, the, of the dignity, respect, and empowerment. Yeah. Um, that comes from, from us. Okay, so we're going to take a short break from this episode to hear a few words from our sponsors. And man, I am enjoying the heck out of this. I hope you are too. We have a few sponsors at Nashville Restaurant Radio. One of them is Supersource, and Jason Ellis over at Supersource is amazing. And if we're talking about bartending and bartenders, one of the things that is very, very important feedback there is a really good dishwasher. And a dishwasher and chemicals that will leave your glassware clean. And it's so important that you don't leave the chemicals on there because you don't want to change the flavor of the drink that you're making. So Jason Ellis is your guy. He is the guy that will come in and put a brand new dish machine in your bar and he will set it up to where you never have any issues. And if you do, he is one phone call away. He is the most amazing. It's funny because I, uh, <clears throat> as Kayla was starting this interview, I said, any of these sponsors that you want to talk about? She's like, oh my gosh, I love Jason Ellis from Supersource. That guy's amazing. He does everything for us. He's just, he's the man. And I said, cool. Well, next time you do a show where you can record a commercial for him, but I'm jumping in to do it today. The other sponsor we want to talk about today is the compost company. So if you have food waste, you've got food waste all throughout the restaurant and the compost company, what they do is they can supply you with green compostable bags. What you do is you put your food waste in these bags and then there's a special trash can that they bring that they come and empty every single week. And then they take your food waste to a compost in Kingston Springs. They have this big, huge farm. They take it there and then they turn that compost into organic soil that they then sell to Whole Foods, local farmers, as well as landscapers. We're doing it at the Green Hills Grill. All the staff loves it. They're so excited that they are now doing something to reduce greenhouse gases. So what you need to do is if you want your restaurant to have uh, compost, I want to compost our stuff, you need to go tell your manager to call the compost company. You're going to call Jeffrey Ezel. His number is 615-866-866. 8152. Or you can visit them at thecompostcompany.com or you can follow them on Instagram at Compost Company. They're amazing, amazing local guys that are trying to help our Mother Earth. So if you want a great dish machine behind your bar, you're not happy with who you have, tell your manager, or if you're a manager, 
Give Jason Ellis a call. He can come in and just see your space, see what you're currently using. He can help identify if you're currently using a company that's not helping you out, what you can do to get it fixed. These guys are amazing. We also want to send out a big thank you to Gordon Food Service, who's our title sponsor at Nashville Restaurant Radio. And while we get into the rest of this interview, I want to send out a big thanks to Kayla Ellis and um, to Robert Chambers for doing this interview. This is so much fun. Thank you guys for listening. Let's jump back in with the gospel of cocktail. Okay, so talking about empowerment. Yeah. Um, how we create space for someone, how we create um, that opportunity for someone to feel seen, heard, acknowledged. Um, and, and that's on us. It's um, We have to back people up. Yeah. We have to um, acknowledge the, the reality of their situation. Yeah. Um, and we have to approach it with empathy. Um, we have to do what we can to make them feel uh, empowered, yeah. to, to, to feel um, like their concerns matter, yeah. that they matter, that their position matters. Absolutely. Because um, the place closes down without that. For sure. I mean, without the person in front. I, I think the idea, like you said, uh, the idea of a servant's heart is a precious idea in theory, mm. but if it's abused, it's no longer a servant's heart. It has to be reciprocal. It does have to be reciprocal. It absolutely does. I, I've um, so Brandon is our head bartender over at Oak, and I straight up um, had a guest uh, come in, had all these assumptions about the the space and and uh, chairs, and took a chair from a tall table behind him, uh, pulled it up, and I was like, "I'm so sorry, sir. We actually need those chairs to stay <laughs> with their table." For sure. Um, and- yeah, uh, we talked about this the other day, and I'll say it again. Uh, so we work in a restaurant that works primarily off of reservations. Yeah. If you take a chair from another table that has already been accounted for, then the guest that's coming in for the reservation no longer has a seat. Yeah, it, that's not how it works. That's not your seat, sir. <laughs> it's, it's not it. <laughs> and so he takes this chair, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, sir. That's just, I, 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 I'm happy to get you a drink, though. Let me. What can I get for you? And I kind of like try to move the, the story along, help him out. Uh, de-escalate. <laughs> That's the magic word. Um, and he just like doesn't make eye contact with me. He's he's acting pretty irritated. And I'm like, okay, well, um, his wife is sitting down though. She has a chair next to him. And so I go to polishing glassware. You know, I've offered him what I can. He's not happy with me. So I'm going to uh, remove myself from the situation. I've done what I can to make him feel more comfortable, but he's just eyeing me. He's just like staring me down. And Brandon is working directly in front of him. He's working well. So he's, uh, for everyone who's not in the industry, well means that you're typically um, making cocktails for the whole restaurant, the every drink for every guest sitting in-house. Anyone who's not on the bar top. Exactly. So, and and sometimes the people in front of you on the bar top too. For sure. <laughs> and so, um, so because he's standing directly in front of Brandon, Brandon's like, hey, I can help you. What, what would you like, sir? Can I get you a drink going? And the guest just turns over and stares down me, stares down at me and um, looks back at Brandon and says, you don't remember me? And Brandon goes, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I, um, I, I don't, but I'm happy to get you a drink. And um, he says again, you don't remember me? And I'm sorry, if it didn't work the first time that someone didn't remember you, <laughs> you know how desperate that so, looks? <laughs> it's not suddenly going to jog my memory. <laughs> it's not a cute, it's not a cute vibe. 
Um, Not a a good look, my dude. This is not a good look, dude. And so he says it the second time, and Brandon's like, no, sir, I'm so sorry. Uh, I I would love to make you a drink, though, or get you some food going. And um, at this point, we're like, maybe he's intoxicated. He'd also been a little bit rude to some of the guests. Um, He wasn't necessarily giving the look of someone intoxicated 100%, but he was definitely starting to show signs. Um, And so... At this point, he decides to do a full, like, you fired, hand motion and everything from The Apprentice, just like full. He goes, and, and if this needs to be bleeped out, we can bleep it out. But he goes, fuck you, you're done to Brandon. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of hilarious, the audacity of the moment. Just like, what in your right mind? You're done. Who are you, dude? For sure. If we didn't remember who you are, don't tell. So I step over and like an empire uh, from a like a baseball game. I throw my arm or an umpire. An umpire, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I probably okay. said that the other day too. I think I said empire. You guys, yeah. I don't watch sports. Yeah. <laughs> the That's most okay. I know is kind of basketball. Well, basketball. We'll give you a pass on this one. Oh Lord. Like an umpire, I take one big step and I gesture my arm over and I go, get out. Just, you're done. No. I'm not yelling or anything. I'm just, you're done, sir. Get out. And he knows that he's messed up. He already knows he's in the wrong for how he's behaving. And so he just, he doesn't say a word. He just kind of puts his tail between his legs, puts his head down and walks out with his wife. And his, they're embarrassed and, and they should be. This is ridiculous behavior it's for an unacceptable. adult. Unacceptable is the word. Yeah. Um, and Honestly, if I hadn't have been there, Brandon being a professional, he probably eventually would have gotten to the point of like being like, get out. and honestly, as soon as he said F you, Brandon might have been like, hey, sir, you, you can't talk like that. You need to go. Um, but he probably would have turned the other cheek. And, he might have. And just let it go. And I've done that for myself before. One of the things that I, I know that you feel the same on is that I am quick to step in and protect someone else. I am not so great at speaking up for myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. You, you're you a turn-the-cheek person. I, I definitely am. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I've definitely been in those situations mm-hmm. um, that, you know, uh, you're presented with um, a guest who is a little unruly or unsavory. What's, what's some of those situations that you've seen? Um, because I am a, a turn-the-cheek kind of uh, person, I can't really say what, when it comes to myself that you know, I had an experience not long ago um, where I opened a bottle of wine for a table and uh, I finished up and laughed and the server came back to the table and the guest said, you know, your, your wine list is, um, is much better than, than in the past. And um, who's, who's running your wine list now? And he said, actually it's, it's the guy that just left the table, the, the guy that opened that bottle of wine for you. He's our, our sommelier and our, and our wine buyer. And um, he brought on the, the selection that you got this evening. And, uh, and the guest just looked at him and said, what? You mean that black kid? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> um, you know, and there is a perception, right, um, that if you're, you're – black or brown or you're female, mm-hmm. um, you might not necessarily have the the knowledge that would allow you to um, curate um, a, a nice wine list or yeah. spirits. It's uh, supposed menu. that you are not capable. They have this uh, idea about you and they're like, oh, look at this person perform. 
look how look how good they're doing. I'm so yeah. surprised um, that you're, they're knowing so much. You're fighting those perceptions mm-hmm. a lot, and you know, um, it comes from a couple of places. Ignorance one, um, you know, it's a lot of times the perception is that historically, um, you know, by and large brown or black people or, or women were not in these positions to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the national wine director for our company is is also a woman. A woman. Um, and she's she's one of the most knowledgeable people about wine that I know. Yeah. Um, and in South Carolina is arguably the most respected wine buyer in the state. Mm. Um, and so, you know, her coupled with me curating this list, I just, I kind of, find it funny uh, yeah. a little sad but I, I also kind of find it funny that yeah. um, you know this guy was you know stuck to this notion that it's it's heartbreaking incredible. I mean it's it's humorous in the ridiculousness of it for like sure. I can laugh at this human for their small-mindedness but it's heartbreaking in the sense that they're that he's not an anomaly yeah. It's not uh, rare for people to think that this is an okay way to think or to speak. Um, it's so heartbreaking that there are moments where we have to defend ourselves, not just because we're in the industry of service yeah. and in a position of um, being vulnerable and our jobs are seen as not real. You know, if you're a bartender <laughs> or a server, when are you going to get a real job? For sure. That's all garbage. And the whole time not knowing um, that, especially when you get to, to the level that we're, we're doing this, it does more than just pay the bills. Yeah. You know, this is, this is a real career. Mm-hmm. Um, and folks who are really good at this, folks who take the time to, to study and, and hone their craft, um, are making a fairly decent living. We're doing all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that we work hard for every dollar that we've got and we are absolutely. earning it. Absolutely. It is not coming undeserved, but I definitely make hand over fist more money than I ever made as a teacher. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, the problem is much larger than that. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, a cultural shift. You know, we encourage people to, to go to college, and that's wonderful. Higher education um, is is an amazing thing. Big thumbs up to higher education. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but in this, we have also uh, started to look down on on the tradesmen or the craftsmen, um, and we value their work less, which I think is a really really terrible um, yeah. way to look at things. These yeah. these people are 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 prov- providing a service. Yeah. Um, that is um, is necessary yeah. to, to the way that we live. Not only necessary, but um, you know, it's it's joyous as well. It's Absolutely. it's not just uh, something that you need if you want society functioning the way it functions, no. but also provides joy. Um, one of my favorite um, speakers and people in the industry is a man named Paul Picoult. Um, he is so sweet. Um, he wrote the book on whiskey, uh, on scotch specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's written other bu- books. Uh, I think he has a new one out called, um, oh shoot, I think it's called Kindred Spirits, I want to say. I, I might be making that up. Um, he, he, just, um, he just put it out and it is 
absolutely beautiful, amazing book. When he started talking to a, a group of us about, um, yeah, it's called Kindred Spirits. When he started talking to a group of us about what it means to be in this industry, he uses the terminology, we are givers of joy. Wow. And I know that that sound that can be taken as cheesy if you want it to be. It, there's some uh, you know pieces of it that are cliche, but we are givers of joy. He has this whole ex- example of um, in the ancient in ancient cultures in ancient society. You can see where the hospitals are set up. You can see where the police stations are set up, and you can see where the bars are set up. <laughs> And so he basically, it's amazing. Yeah. He, he basically breaks it down. Like these are givers of health and wellness. These are givers of law and order. And you are a giver of joy. And these are the top three positions that you can get in ancient society. And somewhere along the way, we started seeing this act of servitude as less than, um, rather than honoring it for what it really is, as someone who is attentive, someone who is um, very attention de- uh, detail oriented, someone who is very, very capable at multitasking. I mean, when you see a bartender or a chef or, or people working in the kitchen, they are literally dancing around each other. 100%. Like I don't watch much, many sports. I, I do enjoy uh, some basketball. I used to play basketball, but when I watch bartenders in action in the middle of peak period mm-hmm. it's like watching a dance or watching the most intricate athleticism on display i mean it's beautiful it's so so cool it is i i always i always tell people uh, that aren't in the industry um if you watch a busy restaurant um and it's performing well everybody is it's functioning on all cylinders it looks like a ballet. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, it's, I go to, to New York uh, during Christmas to see the Nutcracker at Lincoln mm-hmm. Center. Uh, it's one of my guilty pleasures. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> but it's just as beautiful to me to see the way that a restaurant functions um, as it is to, uh, to see the Nutcracker. I, I, I just feel like whenever I've talked with bartenders and I, and I've done this in classes before I'll have people raise their hand if the industry was their first choice for a career. No. And I'll ask if it was their second choice for her. Nobody raises their hand. Yeah, nine times out of 10. That is nobody raises their hand. It's not because this isn't a career. It's because our culture has taught us that this is less than yeah, it's, it's what we've been sold. Yeah. The biggest lie is, is the term unskilled labor. Yeah. That's just a joke. Yes. How true. <laughs> Unskilled labor. What is that? Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. The idea of the two words, unskilled and labor going together is not logical. For sure. There's no such thing as labor without skill. Yeah, I, I really hope that that brick mason um, is really damn good at what he does or your yeah. house is going to fall down. Yeah. I really hope that those people in the fields that are that are growing and picking your, your fruit, your not just grapes as it pertains to wine, but, um, you know, tomatoes, avocados, uh, uh, all of that. All of the things I, that go I on I our really, place. I really hope that they're good at what they do. Yeah. Um, or else we're not going to have anything to eat. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there is no such thing as unskilled, as unskilled labor. It's just, it's a total farce. Yeah. Um, 
I, I really think that when we get into the depths of what it means to be a bartender, I've, I've told you this before, but you know, you know, any bartender on Broadway right now, I could train them to do what I do. I could train them to become a mixologist if that's something that they wanted. There is nothing wrong with slinging drinks. And in fact, there is everything right about someone who slings drinks. It is, it is awesome and honorable, um, especially if you do it well, especially if you have a community around you, especially if you uplift others when you're doing it. There is a way to do that honorably. And there's also a way to bartend without honor too. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, there's a way to do that without honor. Yeah. But if you're slinging drinks you're, and you're making money, then you're a bartender, you're legit. Yeah. I can't teach every mixologist I know to do what bartenders are doing on Broadway. Not at all. No. That's, and um, the, the crossover just really isn't there the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, having <clears throat> having worked um, bartending jobs, and I can tell you that, that working behind a craft bar um, was easier in a way um, than than working a rooftop bar mm -hmm. where you have 300 mm -hmm. people staring at you and, um, and you got to get drinks out. Um, that, that pressure is, is, um, quite a lot. and <laughs> never ends. It never ends. Like literally you could be standing there and, and uh, you've worded this as like, you know, you see this endless sea of people and you know that it doesn't stop. Your shift may come to an end, yeah. but you know that this doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, someone else just clocks in. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, it's unimaginable <laughs> to, you know, to be at work and, and know that it's just, it's not going to end. There's not going to be a chance to, to take a breath or, or have a break. Yeah. Um, and if you do, you got real lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're working, you know, it could be a five hour shift, an eight hour shift, a 12 hour shift. Um, yeah, and cool. you know you're you're just not going to stop. You're going to be on your feet the whole time, and the hustle and awareness. This is the part that I think um, people I think are aware of the emotion uh, of the physical tax of working behind a bar. Sure. I don't think people are as are as aware of the emotional and mental tax of constantly knowing when to prioritize the next task in front of you. Like when am I? Uh, only making cocktails? When am I needing to stop and focus on dishes? When yeah. do I need to stop that and focus on the guest in front of me? And how do I maintain a conversation about the weather or about the next place to see in Nashville while I'm making six cocktails and taking an order for another three and hearing the ticket printer still going off behind me? And all the while, still creating that great experience, experience. for everyone in the room. Exactly. And not letting them see you sweat don't sweat in front of yeah i mean For they sure. may actually see the droplets <laughs> I, i've i've definitely been a i'm a sweater <laughs> but they're going to see a smile plastered on my face and Absolutely. they're going to know that they are the center of my universe you know in this moment they they're the center of of this moment that we're um brandon calls it um uh, the head bartender over at, at oak he calls it uh what is it a non-player character yeah is that what they're called? In, okay, so again, don't know sports that great. <laughs> don't know video games <laughs> that great. But um, uh, I know a little bit about like being a non-player character is like, I'm, I'm just 
you're the play, you're the main character in your story. You're going to go on and have your adventure. I'm here to provide you jewels <laughs> or or tips about where you're going to next. And you're gonna, gonna gonna collect your weapon from me or whatever it is. And I'm gonna provide that space where it's like you just love the overall game of life because you yeah. had that moment with your non-player character. Um, I, I feel like that's a silly thing, but it's a fairly accurate analogy of if you can do that well, then you're a badass bartender. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what is something, um, I mean, we, we can probably um, start to wrap up so, uh, so you and I can have a good shift today. Okay. Um, what is something that bartenders should know from a sommelier about what we could be doing better? And if you can, I know it's a big, big ask, but... What, as a person of color, can the industry be doing better? Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. A big question. It's a big question. Um, I think I'll tackle the latter first. Heard. Um, first of all, the things that benefit people of color or, or women or anybody um, in a marginalized group in this industry, I, I wholeheartedly believe benefits everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but I really do have to take it back to those three things, dignity, respect, and empowerment. Um, if we want to make this industry more approachable, if we want to, um, have a better outcome, um, from guest experience or, um, experience of our staff, we have to treat them, um, with dignity, we we have to let them know that their position, that their function, um, is a dignified place. Mm. Um, we have to treat them with the utmost respect, um, and we have to empower them. We have to um, have their backs to make them feel seen and heard. If we are going to attract more people to this industry of all walks of life, mm -hmm. of all ethnicities and nationalities. Um, we have to stand behind them. Amen. <laughs> um, and to tackle the, the former, um, as far as bartenders go um, and, and what we can be doing better, the only thing that I can say, the, the only way that I can, I can really tackle that is to, to say that we have to be... Um, Educated in our field, we yeah. have to we have to focus on education um, and and learning more and being more knowledgeable um, about the products. Beer might be your thing, liquor might be your thing, sake might be your thing, wine might be your thing, but you have to branch out. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's the more knowledge that you have, uh, the better that you can help the guest. And really, that is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. You're in the hospitality industry. We have no job without the guest. And so our focus really has to be around how can we provide a better experience. Mm -hmm. And something that we can do ourselves, we don't have a lot of control over other things, over other people, over the yeah. way that the business functions. But... Um, as a as a person working in that establishment, you can focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing that you can control. Um, and the biggest thing that you can do is just 
to be as knowledgeable as you can about your craft. Um, and through that, and and through the, um, in our company, we call it the 51%, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the things that you can't teach someone, their character, their integrity. Um, through those things, through our personalities, we can interact with guests and, and provide them with the experience. Um, and coupled with that knowledge, uh, we can really create something special. Beautiful. So well said. Oh my goodness. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this with me. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. This, this has a lot been of incredible. Fun. Yeah, And thank you for the drinks. Yeah. Here, <laughs> clink. Cheers. <laughs> we, um, we're so lucky to be in the industry that we're in. Um, I really hope that everyone today listening, if, uh, if you've got a shift coming up, I hope you make lots of money. And um, thank you for hanging out with us. And I really hope, Robert, if, if you have uh, time in the future, maybe we can have you come back. I'd be glad to. Thank I you. love you so much, my friend. You love you too. Cheers to you. Cheers. <laughs>